Coming up, it is the two-part masterpiece that will be the Brooklyn Nets regular season preview. We kick it off at the high level, record predictions, playoff seeding, and surprise narratives around the NBA deadline. We dive in coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, uh, yes, my friends, it is the Lockdown Nets Podcast. Right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your Brooklyn Nets every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Nori. Over here, Adam Armbrecht. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We are 100% free on all those great platforms. And let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off on your first purchase. And Doug, before we get into all of our big, beautiful predictions for the upcoming season, the overall sentiment around this team is a turning of the page and I think generally positive vibes, right, with everything that went on over the last couple of years. I mean, just think about where we were last year at this time, which feels like an absolute lifetime ago. KD, and you know they're entering the season. It feels like it's going to be okay. We're coming off a summer of Kevin Durant asking for a trade, rescinding it at the last second with Kyrie. You kind of never know what's going to happen there. Unsure about what Ben Simmons is even going to look like, and like the whole t- and and a, ch- and a championship timeline where like the expectations are ramped all the way up to a hundred, and really anything short of a championship at this point, especially with the superstars is going to look like a massive failure. And so expectations are still, I think, generally positive, but the vibe was totally different. And then, by the way, it didn't take long for the vibe to totally change and Nash is fired and all this other stuff, right? So (laughs) I just think going into this year, we talk about this a ton, but expectations define a lot of what success looks like. And Mm -hmm. the expectations for the Nets this season are just totally different. And they're gearing up to just be a really fun team that we can root for with, I think, reasonable expectations of what of, of what their end of the season outcomes for and what we can feel like is, you know, positive or what we can feel like is disappointing. And it just looks so much different than what, how it looked last year that it's it's like a breath of fresh air, even with even with question marks going into the season. Oh, of course. And, you know, and positive going into this season is because there there are things that can be achieved. It was impossible to have that in the past seasons because positive achievement was well going to the finals, winning a championship maybe, right? Everything less than that was always a drag. It was always negative. So that's completely been washed away here. We're going to talk about, by the way, tomorrow in part two of this, drill down on Ben Simmons stat lines, on Mikhail Bridges, talk about over-unders for different categories for this roster and individuals as well. But let's start off with the most important and the most positive possible outcome for the Brooklyn Nets this season. Making the playoffs, Doug, I will start it off. I believe, yes, this team does. We're going to get into seeding uh, coming up here in a minute. But do you believe this team makes the playoffs and will extend it all the way to that play-in tournament, obviously, as well? Well, why don't you go first? You said they make the playoffs. Like, let's let's start there because I think that might be a shade more positive. So you're locked in. This is a playoff team, top eight seed. And sort of like away you go um, with no problem there. And is that where you land? I think I'm a tick lower, but I let's just start with you because I think that's that's trending a little more positive. And I like to hear that. I, I, I believe that, yeah, 37 and a half right now in the win total over under for the Brooklyn Nets. You can make the case that this is too far to expand yourself, but I'm going to put them. If I believe this team can have a good season, if I believe in Ben Simmons, I'm going to say that this is a team that can go 43 and 39. And that starts to set an expectation that you are 
one of the more stronger defensive units, right? That you are frustrating in underdog matchups throughout the year. And that ultimately your offense is capable of doing enough with Ben Simmons orchestrating it to really be a team that surprises a lot of these other rosters that have expectations going into this year. Yeah. So, okay. That's, that's interesting. So right now, if you look over at FanDuel, I'll get to my prediction here in a second, but if you look over at FanDuel Nets are 11th in terms of playoff seating, uh, they go Celtics, Bucks, Cavs, Sixers, Heat, Knicks, Hawks, Bulls, Pacers, Magic, Nets. It's pretty close around the Pacers, Magic, and Nets, and um, they, they and the Net Magic might even be tied. But that does put them at the 11 seed out of the playoffs in terms of just overall playoff odds. Uh, you are you see them higher as above 500 team. I'm going to go a tick higher as well and say that they are right around the 500 team and maybe I'll say 40 and 42. That puts them over the win total. At thirty uh, over thirty seven and a half, we'll get to some of the reasons why I think we think this. Mm-hmm. I think those are actually going to be pretty in line with each other, and I think that it's close for me because I think the Pacers, Magic, and Nets do sit around, and I'll even put the Bulls below them because I think the Bulls could go the different direction here. But I put the Nets around where the Pacers and Magic are in terms of talent and, and other things. I just think it could come down to some other other things that might not even be like totally just talent related. So I'm right. I'm pretty close with you. I think that 40 wins is being a little bullish here, but I think in, in the end, I feel pretty good for some of the reasons that will outline here uh, around like where the team is sort of headed. Yeah. You know, and we know, obviously we talked about in our last episode, Cameron Johnson and coming back and being ready to play and healthy. He'll have a minutes restriction to start the year. But it's impo- I think it's impossible for me to ha- to talk about this as offseason and go, well, we believe Mikhail Bridges. He is a known commodity now, and he's going to be an X factor for this team. We believe Cameron Johnson is actually being overlooked in terms of his all-around game and the impact he can have on this roster. We believe that even a non-shooting Ben Simmons, his ability, his court vision, his defense. I, I cannot sit here and also talk about like Spencer Dinwiddie's game gets better because Ben Simmons is there and all these guys, right? I cannot sit here and list positive after positive around the roster and then get to this point and go, yeah, I doubt it. And and I legitimately like, I just think that this team is going to be surprising in that vein. And maybe actually for a reason that you and I discussed over the off season as being something we wish the team had done. You didn't get rid of any of the veteran pieces. So that's a commitment to wanting to have a a reasonable expectation of a floor of wanting to have experienced guys, even into the Royce O'Neal's and, the Dorian Finney-Smiths of the world, the Spencer Dinwiddie's, hey, you kept these guys around because you believe those two new players in McHale and Cameron, along with the return of Ben Simmons, means this team can be more competitive. And arguably, they are one of the few rosters when we talk about the back of the Eastern Conference that has real variables to it, right? That, that has something, when you look at a paper, you don't know truly what that ceiling is. So that's why it's bullish. It's but we, we get it. It's bullish. I, I can't even imagine what the odds would be for me to say six wins over on projections for FanDuel, but I'll take them at 43 and 39 and that they are in fact playoff bound. Okay. Yeah. And I think like, I'm probably, again, just to reiterate, probably looking more, I want to talk a little bit more about why we think this too. And, yes. and like I said, tomorrow we'll talk a bunch about the, uh, we'll talk about a bunch of like individual performances. Cause I think this is going to inform a lot of where we land. Go ahead. No, 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 because I, I, the next thing we're going to discuss here, and you're right, the, the individual performances are going to matter a big way to influencing how we think this team goes. And I actually think we're on the same page in terms of a lot of the individual. Just when I add them up, I, I go a little bit higher than you do. In a moment, though, I have a clear-cut end-of-the-season schedule explanation for why the Brooklyn Nets will get to 43 wins and why they will be a six seed. Let's get into that coming up here in a second. 
All right, before we get to that, snap into the action this NFL and NBA season with FanDuel America's number one sports book. You're going to love to hear this. Right now, new customers over on FanDuel are going to get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. All you got to do is place a $5 real money bet, and you're getting the $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Whatever happens to that $5, don't even worry about it. I mean, worry about it because you want to put something in that wins. But in the end, whether no matter what happens, you're getting the $200 in bonus bets back. Maybe you agree with where Adam and I are going on the over here with 37 and a half wins for the Brooklyn Nets. We'll take it, baby. Plus 144 to make the playoffs as well. We'll take that as well. Get a little cheddar in on your love of the Nets early and often right now on FanDuel spreads player props over unders and much more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on kickoff and tip off this NBA season. Get keeping the action on the NFL season as well. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. Okay, as we continue our preview of the Brooklyn Nets season, both Doug and I are taking the over. And Doug, real quick, you would say that put it, you know, looking at the Nets over under of 37 and a half, are you fairly bullish that the Nets surpass that? Even if you think you're being a little more optimistic, do you think that 37 and a half does feel low just on spec with the players that they have on this team? No, I feel like actually real talent wise, that feels about right. I, I think 37 okay. and a half, like I think they're by talent, they are um around this team right with the understanding that like you know Simmons could could you know really kind of come fully back and some other things could could break right for them in terms of the guys that they brought in I think that where I'm comfortable and I've actually we've said this all season around where we land with their win total where I'm comfortable on this win total compared to say the magic or compared mm -hmm. to say the Pacers uh specifically is when push comes to shove at the end of the season and maybe this has to do with your schedule too that the Nets' motivations are just totally different from these other teams. The Nets yeah. do not have the draft picks. They have no incentive to tank. They have they can get late season losing gives gains them nothing, nothing. Yep. And so when you look at that, there aren't many other teams that can really say that. That oh, there's no teams in the in this range of like talent that can say that. But when you look at that from a Nets' point of view and who they have. They're just never, there's no world where they cannot put their foot best foot forward all the way down to the end because it just doesn't help them. When Houston getting that pick, they, why bother? Like why lose? You know, we've seen teams when, okay, you know, let's say like, I don't know, I'm making this scenario up, but the Pacers get halfway through the season. Something happens to Tyrese, right? Albert. Okay. Like you can still, they're still young. They still have their picks. They can kind of have a go a different direction. There's a world where like, they can, you know, build in sort of a basement to their to their overall just feeling for the season. The Nets just are never going to do that. They're never going to do that the whole season. And so even with time to work stuff out, that's why I just feel comfortable with the over. I just think that they're – I actually think it's underrated. I think it's actually not been talked about enough. Is that, like, other people don't seem to understand, actually, that they're never going to not try, unlike right. almost any other team when they get into these situations. Including, by the way, something we talked about in the offseason, the in-season tournament. The Nets are going to play in every one of those games. They're going to be competitive in every one of those games, and it matters to your regular season record. But there's going to be teams that make excuses maybe and don't necessarily care or aren't committed to. The Nets might steal wins on that just because they're like, hey, you know what feels good? Going an extra round in the in-season tournament. That means something to us relative to other teams. Now, here's what I like about it, Dougster. First, I'm going to tell you that when you go over and you look at the standings, and we, we know it's the Milwaukee's, the Boston's, the 76ers with an eye on, on what could be an absolute just disaster for them potentially, the Cavs, the Knicks. The Nets were the sixth seed last year, and then you have the Atlanta Hawks, the Miami Heat, or Big X Factors, and we talked about teams like Chicago, Toronto that maybe will fall out of it. The Pacers are in the mix there. 
So I, I'm probably underrating almost certainly the Atlanta Hawks here. The Miami Heat are interesting to me because I think maybe they didn't get the big move. Are they still going to make a big move? And if they don't, I could see them at a minimum being a team, as we know, historically is far more concerned on the playoffs in that run than anything else. So the Brooklyn Nets are there. They're sitting in the seventh seed and they're feeling good about life. And right ahead of them is another team that feels like they can achieve in the Indiana Pacers. But then I go look at the schedule Monday, April 1st and Wednesday, April 3rd, two games against the Pacers late in the season. I submit to you, Doug, and you'll tell me what the over-under says for the Pacers on FanDuel that the Brooklyn Nets will have two games late in the season that they can effectively steal away a higher seed from the Pacers as they go down that home stretch. Some other winnable games there as well, but they have the head-to-head where they can control their own destiny. Yeah, and I again, we're, who knows where these teams are going to be? Things always crop up during the, over the course of a season. Injuries happen. You know, things don't work out. Best laid plans and all. Yeah. Every team looks. Every team you think about right now is the best version of themselves. And then it sometimes just doesn't take much, uh, a la the very beginning of the show where we were like Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, and Steve Nash. Let's see what happens. And three quarters of those guys are, you know, hit the dusty trail. And, <laughs> and now we're just in a totally different situation. So yeah. uh, again, like this is all just like best version stuff, of course, from the outset, you know, but like even like the Hawks, right? They made the DeJounte Murray trade. Like they had their own pick this year. I, right. You know, like if it's if it's not working out with Snyder and they want to do true. a reset with Trey and stuff, like they could tank. Like every other team is in this situation where if it starts to go bad, they could be in a fight for the bottom. And yeah. I, and just knowing that the Nets aren't in that situation, and like you said, you know, late late game, late season stuff with with the schedule where they could be because it, it's hard to imagine the Nets are. This is a good point by you. It's hard to imagine even in a sort of a worst case scenario that they're so far out of it by this point. Right. right. Like, because right. I think we already know that I think the Pistons and Wizards are just going to be not very good. And I, I think that's pretty set. We'll see about the Hornets. They can make a move. I have no faith in the Raptors. Like that's to me, three teams minimum that are just all the way there. You want to mm-hmm. build in downside risk for a couple other ones. It's just hard to imagine the world where the Nets are just total dust with five games right. to go or whatever. Right. And at that point, you know that that's just what they're going to be doing because go for it. Right. And even like if they, they try to make like, a play, way, even if they were dust, they're still going to want to win the games anyway. Right. Like it won't, well, like it's still not going to Were they, uh, want a good example last year where they should have tanked. <laughs> like, <laughs> they refused to do it. <laughs> and they refused to do it. And, 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 you know, and made the playoffs by the skin of their teeth to some degree. Yeah. You know, like look at that. That's a pretty good proxy. Now, you could say the same proxy is they were an under 500 team for the trade deadline. I'm up, but they didn't have Ben Simmons. So, I, like, I don't know. There's just a lot of reasons to like, there's a lot of reasons to stay really invested with this team all season yes. long. I guess that's the point. Yeah, and, and I and I wonder too. The other part of this year, just when we talk about the seeding and being able to get that there, where where did you think that they were going to finish? I, I said they can get to that six seed with some late game wins. You have them as an eighth seed. I think you said there at the top. When, when we look at these other teams, the volatility around, say that Miami. I think Miami Heat. I'm, I'm being I'm being too bullish. No pun intended. Looking at Chicago, that they're going to have more problems than not. But we didn't mention Toronto too here, right? Like even if they say say they get to that seed. And let, let's live in the world where they're in the play-in tournament first and then a first-round playoff. What do they accomplish? If they're in the play-in tournament, do you think that they can they can win their way out of it and secure an official top eight seed going into whatever, quote-unquote, the real playoff picture? 
Yeah, I think I, by the way, I think I have him like nine or 10 right now. Okay. I think that's right around where I put him in, which is it right, right around the play in. Uh, I think there'll be a team if they get to this point, it probably also means that they have figured some stuff out, right? Because I right. think they, I think even to get to like eight or nine, for me personally, for them to get to eight or nine, they still, I still think, think that's playing a little bit above their talent level. And that means they have figured some stuff out, whether it's just completely locked down on defense and they're making it really, really tough. They figured out the transition game. They're hitting tons of threes, like whatever version of this gets them into that place. And I think there's a lot of different paths for it. I think I absolutely can take some of these games from, mm -hmm. from teams. You know, when you can, if you can dial your defense up for one, you know, for single game stuff and just hopefully hit some free throws, you know, with Simmons or class, like just have things go right for sure. So I think that like, there's lots of paths for us to get to that point and where they're still like a really competitive, even, even in one-off environments, I would love to not have it be that case because it was nice to not sweat it out last year. And but, one of the reasons, uh, so I know. And one of the reasons too, why, you know, maybe I think why I, I know oh, I'm being a little overly optimistic with a six seed or maybe 43 and 39 feels like too much. But one of the reasons why I really hope that they lock in, they do figure things out. Like you said, is because securing that six seed, we, again, we don't know how it's going to shake out, but I tell you what is going to be way more difficult going into the playoffs and saying, Hey, your matchup is going to be as an eighth seed with the Milwaukee bucks or with the Boston Celtics, right? Like that's going to make it a far less exciting playoff appearance for the Nets. And regardless of that, even if it's a three seed and the 76ers figure things out or the Cavs rose, whatever the case may be, the, the Miami has a great year. I think also, if we just want to paint a positive picture, this may seem like low-hanging fruit, but getting a playoff win would matter for this team as well yeah. outside of the play-in tournament, saying, hey, we went into a series with whatever team and this core won a game because they didn't do that last year. Last year, they got in there and it was kind of, hey, huzzah, if you don't mind, I'm a little exhausted. Mikhail Bridges, I think I'm going to lie down on the floor here and take a nap, right? Like it was, it was hard to achieve that goal. And I know, does anyone care about winning one game? Maybe, maybe not, but like you can't win two games in a series until you win one game, right? Like you can't win three until you win two. You can't win a series until you get the first game. So I think if you want to say that I, I look at this as like building block moments, get to a playoff series, have that lockdown defense and be like, guess what? We really pissed you off for one game in that series and maybe and played you tight in a couple other ones, right? Where you just kind of have that, that sentiment that this team is closer than further away from being top six seed competitive with consistency. And by the way, they got swept with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and they got swept without him. So, like, I don't and, know, maybe I don't now. think that won't be a fan feather in the cap. If the, if this version of the Nets team wins a playoff game, it'll go, see? And it's always fun to have those moments when you go, we did it without you, Kevin Durant, Kyrie. We can achieve I mean, whatever yeah, we go, want here. Go two more seasons, three more seasons, and they were a toe away from maybe the championship. But uh, alas, exactly. we live and learn, and we move into 2023-24. All right, in a second, we'll make some predictions around maybe some possible trades and players that could be on the move this season. We'll get into that in a second. First, going to tell you about our friends over at Game Time. When you are going to a sporting event, theater, concert, whatever it is, you don't want, you want the, the thing's supposed to be fun. The last thing you want is the ticket buying experience to be frustrating. You know, you're not sure if you're getting the best price. You're not sure what you're going to be able to see when you sit down in your seats. Worried about if you're getting the best deal. It's all taken off the table with those worries when it comes to game time. You don't have to be worried about buying the ticket to the next big event. Game time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for every sport, music, comedy, theater, events near you. They got killer last-minute deals. They got all-in prices. You're going to get your exact views from the seat you're going to sit in. Got a best price guarantee as well. If you go over to game time right now, a couple of different uh, sweet stuff going on. You got Jets and Giants tickets still on sale for this coming Sunday. So get on that. That's the 1029. Also, Brooklyn Nets hosting the Cleveland Cavaliers Wednesday. Still time 
this just actually dropped a little bit. It was 41 early. It's down to 40. Started to tickets at $40 over on Game Time. Game Time has got you covered for all of your ticket needs. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create an account and redeem the code Locked On NBA for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. All right, continuing our. Regular season preview, reminding you the part number two will be coming up tomorrow where we drill down on individual player performances and key stats, some over-under action that we're going to have a little bit of fun with. So be sure to be part of that and be sure to be a part of joinsubtext.com slash locked on net. You would have gotten some text back and forth about the different discussion points we're going to have. What are we not missing? Who are you bullish on for Brooklyn? You get over there. It's being a part of the locked on nets insiders group, one-on-one conversations with Doug Norrie and myself. 14-day free trial at joinsubtext.com slash locked on nets. All right. The other big factor inside of this is obviously going to be the trade deadline. Now, it's hard to sit here and talk optimistically about the team and then paint a picture where they start trading off pieces at the deadline. There are some possibilities here. You had one that was brought to us inside of the Nets DM group over on Twitter, which is a really fun place to be involved in. That trend's a little negative. But I, I, I think oh. there are worlds, and I wonder if you agree, where the Nets can, can make a move, can maybe get an asset, can get away from a Royce O'Neal, but also functionally bring someone in. I have a, I have a couple of high-level optimistic opportunities where the Nets have kept their, their powder dry for the right reasons, and maybe even some modest moves that just help move this team forward. Wh- wh- where do you stand on, on how active you think the Nets will be at the deadline? I think they'll be pretty active. I think they have to be active, at least with some of the veterans, um, for sure. And so I think we'll start. I mean, do we should we get into the name that we should we not bury the lead here and just get into like well, who was thrown out? I want to let okay. you say. It. I want to you you use the words. I didn't want to bring it. Yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. So we're I, I and I feel terrible. I, I can't find who originally said it. I know it was either Brooklyn Beats or Brooklyn eighty uh, eighty five. Um, one of those two. And so really, really apologize. I searched my. Um, my notifications to try to figure this out, but I couldn't find it either way. Um, let's just say both guys said it that Nick Claxton could be a potential trade candidate for the Brooklyn Nets this off, excuse me, during this season. I think there's a lot of different reasons you can talk yourself into why the Nets should probably seriously consider doing this at some point during the year. I know that's hard to hear. We are huge Claxton fans. We push for him to start and be the starting center we were some of the first people on that. So, and the reason I know that is because I did an absolute utter victory lap when he actually did start dominating. <laughs> and that, and that's to remind everyone the reason I can remember him. that very clearly is because I wanted to uh, blast all the haters, as they say, when it actually came true and he was awesome. Yes. Anyway, moving forward, it is, you can start telling yourself a very specific story here about why he could be a potential trade candidate why he might not line up with the Nets timeline. I think at some point we will do a much longer podcast about this topic, but I can see a scenario where Nick Claxton, in almost any scenario where the Nets are, Nick Claxton is a potential trade candidate because as he enters a contract year. Of course, and we know in the offseason, these guys and Ben Simmons specifically, they're fit together, right? Uh, I'll I'll go on the, if we need to push back on it, right, and say it doesn't need to happen. We saw sample sizes of Claxton playing with a ton of shooters with Spencer Dinwiddie and Cam Thomas and Royce O'Neal and Lonnie Walker and saying, hey, surround him with them. Maybe it ends up being a bit unique in season in terms of how Jock Fawn finds ways for these guys to function without each other at times. And the other big factor to me is, one, if I think this team is going to be a 43-win team, and the defense is going to be a big part of it. Nick Claxton's a big part of the defense being good. So 
hard pressed for the Nets to push that button. Historically, the Nets are not on the front foot sometimes of making these difficult decisions. We know Patty Mills and Seth Curry and Joe Harris trades or letting them walk. Maybe they missed the boat on that. Royce O'Neal, did they miss the boat on getting the most value here? But I'll say that even if this was on the table, remember the Brooklyn Nets can make a choice about this in the offseason. They can sign and trade Nicholas Claxton. They don't have to do it right now. And I think it'd be pretty volatile to take him out unless you're going to commit assets to go do something else. And I have some high-level, you know, explosive opportunities for them. But I'm of the opinion that I think it's not unreasonable they brought this up. And I don't think the Nets do it because they're just, they have not been the type of team that that makes these type of decisions, especially in season. And that's the case against it. I, like, I think that there's a real case where, with Claxton specifically, the the position, the potential money he might fetch, mm-hmm. and just the, the Nets maybe trying to reset the deck here enough to have as many assets as possible for like a true superstar to come into the mix and not knowing exactly who that superstar might be. And that's important for a guy like Claxton because, you know, he's can't pair with everybody, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, there's certain players in the NBA that you can pair with anybody or so good that you'll just figure out the pairing around them. Uh, Claxton is not that guy. He's awesome, but we're already talking about potential fit issues going into this season with Ben Simmons. Like you can't pair him with everybody. And so committing a lot of long-term money to that type of player, not knowing who might shake loose somewhere else when you could have assets to go get that player, I think is a strong case going into a contract season to think about giving him to a team where they know he does fit with everybody. And I think there's going to be teams out there that are like that. I'm with you that it's the timeline doesn't have to be the trade deadline. It can be the off season. I think the price will be lower in a signing trade than it would be in the here and now because the team could get him. But there's risk because you don't know if he's going to resign. So I think there's a lot of different things. I guess the point about the Claxton piece was more about that. I just had never really considered that they would do that. And then when I heard it, I thought it might be closer to probable than than possible. And it was more about that. But again, maybe a, 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 a longer discussion for a different day about whether we think that would be most prudent. I think we're just putting it on the table as something like to not totally be shocked if it happened. Yeah, and the other guys, obviously, that we talk about this, and if you want to be optimistic, you assume that does work out with Ben Simmons and him and Claxton play really well together. And you go, wow, imagine that it, it could have been a possibility they would have they would have traded him. It's been taken off the table because these guys have found a way to work together. But the other ones are the Royce O'Neals, the Dorian Finney-Smith, the Spencer Dinwiddies of the world. Now, it's going to be hard to take, I think, a lot of these guys out of the mix if I think they're going to be playing good basketball and winning games. But, but the one way that I thought about this being op- from an optimistic standpoint would be, first, Royce O'Neal, I think there's enough guys on this roster that he becomes, I'm going to say, quote, expendable. We said this chapter and verse. We love Royce O'Neal. It's just he doesn't need to be a part of this team right now. And that's sometimes hard to say with the way he looked in camp and the three-point shooting. But I think teams will use him. And I think he has value. Now, Sean Marks is going to set a price tag. And if somebody doesn't meet it, he will be on this roster. But even extended to a Dorian Finney-Smith, I'll submit to you that one of the reasons the Nets may be open to moving one or two of the veterans is because some of the young guys are ready to play, specifically Dariq Whitehead. We've heard at least positive inferences from the Nets, famous last words. They are cagey with their with their injuries and stuff, but they said he's going to play this year. So if you get yourself approaching that deadline and Dariq Whitehead has been on the court for a couple of weeks and looks pretty comfortable and is showing you he can be a rotation player, you can start to take away one of those veterans that you don't want to risk, you know, having some loss of depth on your roster. And that can actually create an even different dynamic in the second half of the season. So 
I'm going to double down on the positivity. Not only do the Nets make a good move around moving a veteran, but it's actually because there's someone ready to step into that role for them in the second half of the season. For sure. Or you're like, hey, Simmons is playing so well, and we're seeing that these Simmons non-Claxton lineups are amazing. Like, I think there's other yes. really positive yeah, yeah, yeah. versions of this, too. Like, I think there's young players that, they, that they're starting to develop. You know, maybe we see Clowney start to step up a little bit. Maybe we see that, like, hey, the Simmons minutes, no Claxton are good. And the Claxton, no Simmons minutes are good, but together it's like not totally meshing, right? I right. think there's like a, there's these other versions, and we have more money committed to Simmons. Maybe he could fetch a higher price tag because his ceiling's a little higher, right? Like there's other, they they might feel compelled to make a choice sort of between the two if the on-off yeah. numbers are maybe stat, like you know really blatant or staggering or whatever, which I think they really have a chance to be. Like it might look. We might be, we might get 300 minutes into this thing, and be like, you know, it's not really working. I, <laughs> I don't want it to be like that, but I'm saying there's a positive version of this where it's like this one thing is working really well. We just can't do it together, right? Like I think that yeah, that's yeah, yeah, no, and and I and I think it's a reminder of of the sample sizes with even the Lonnie Walkers, the Dennis Smith Juniors, as he gets his injuries sorted out here. You brought in some other guys into this roster where the the early sample size will define. Oh, this is working well for us, right? Our our new functional offense. We talked about this last episode when Jock Vaughn starts running plays for Mikael Bridges, and we see what that looks like. You're going to get a sample size that tells you because we said this, right? Trend Trend and Watt. If Trenton Watford finds a role for himself, it's going to change and inform how you look from the highest possible level all the way down through this roster. And while, again, the Nets don't have the upper echelon talent that other teams do, we do believe that they are deep in a lot of spots, right? That the floor is higher for this roster from a depth standpoint. So optimistically, everybody's kind of hitting their stride. And Dennis, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, excuse me, and Royce O'Neal are playing good enough roles that you can look at them and say, oh, they have value now on the market. And they won't have this a year from now. They won't have this if they walk in free agency for Royce O'Neal. Even listen, even a guy like Cam Thomas, is he playing really well? And what does that mean from your decision? So I, I, I know to round this thing out from the top, I have this team at 43 and 39. I have them getting the sixth seed. This is the upper tier of optimism for this roster. But at some point, things do break right in a couple of categories for Brooklyn. And I think very early in the season, you could be looking at them in a much more positive light from where your expectations lie. Why not? Why not think this team can hit some of these marks rather than assume it's going to be a disaster? And I I really think there's too much talent and a lot of veteran experience here. And I believe in Jock Vaughn, frankly, in in what he's instituted this offseason with this team. I think this team is ready to surprise a few people this year, and it starts by getting off to a good run over those first 10 and 20 games and cementing roles. There you have it. Nets and seven over the Nuggets in the championship. That's that's all I. Uh, that's all I heard. Sweet. <laughs> Jokic is a bum. Overrated. No, okay. I think uh, no. I'm in general. I feel I, we feel good, man. This is a we're going into a really different kind of season. You and I started the podcast. Excuse me. We came onto the Lockdown Nets podcast um, during the superstar run. We started the podcast basically the year that uh, they signed Kevin Durant. Right prior to signing Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. This is a different version of the team that we've covered for a full season in the past. It feels really cool to cover this kind of team. I think the, yes. having a yeah. lot of question marks and being at a different stage of something is a much different version of this than we've done in the past. And I'm just really, really excited uh, to cover it all season. If you are on board with it and it sounds like you are, cause you're listening or watching, remember that this year, 
Uh, a couple things. One, Adam told you about join subtext before. So join subtext.com slash nets too. If you have been on the YouTube feed or on the podcast feed over the course of your listening, if you're on both, great. Uh, skip to the end of the show. If you are on one or the other, you want to make sure you're on both because as with all things, we're going to be doing different stuff on different platforms. We're going to be coming at you live after every game, uh, just about. And that's going to be over on YouTube. And those shows run longer than even go onto the feed. So we're there right after the game ends. And we go bonus stuff where we answer questions and we take a field, a bunch of stuff, but we really just kind of muck it up uh, on YouTube. So make sure you subscribe to YouTube. Conversely, during this season, we're going to be doing uh, all minimum one episode a week bonus content on just the pod feed. Mostly probably going to come out on the weekends, but sometimes we pregame stuff. And and there's going to be a bunch of different stuff on the podcast feed that is just not going to be on YouTube. That's just how it's going to roll this year. It's all free for you. So no big deal. And that is the number one way you can help us come at you free for the rest of the season and beyond is make sure you subscribe to Lockdown Nets on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe over on whatever, wherever you listen to podcasts. Last opportunity here on a Tuesday morning. Join subtext.com slash locked on nets. One sentence. Why do you want to be in the locked on nets fantasy basketball league? This thing is going to pop off ahead of the official start of the season. If I like what I see, the league kicks off. If I don't, I shun you all. So get over to join subtext.com slash locked on nets. I love everybody. Don't worry about it. And a reminder, my fine friends, that be well, do good work, and keep in touch. Garrison Keeler. Oh, Lake Wobegon, baby. That's right. Baby. Oh, shoot. I got, I wish I had told you this because, oh, I had. Lake Wobegon days. What would you say? Lake Wobegon days where all the all the women are strong, that's all the right. men are good looking, and all the that's kids. It. No, but I don't average. think it's all the, it's not that. I think, yeah, above average. There you go. I screwed it up. Uh, you, you, you crushed it. I, I screwed up. Garrison <laughs> Keeler, one of the all-time great poets. We're well, back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn. That's basketball.